Welcome to Heart of the Enneagram. I'm Chris Copeland. And I'm Sandra Smith. And we invite you to take a courageous and loving look at what is. I never didn't trust Fran. I didn't trust me. That was the biggest not trusting and and remains my challenge, although I certainly have been conscious of making changes, specific changes um, that have allowed me to trust me. Good morning, Chris. Morning, Sandra. It's good to be back at Wake Forest University. And uh, today we get to learn about the relationship dynamics between a two and a six. Yes. And representing type six is Nancy Dunn. And Nancy is retired after 40 years of owning and managing a small business. She says she found the Enneagram in midlife and recognized it as a great tool for accurate self-reflection. And accurate self-observation. Those, those sixes are so great at observation. It took her 12 years of intensely studying the system with many teachers to realize that rather than leading with eight, she in fact leads with type six. The six and eight can be lookalikes. Nancy has a passion for sharing the Enneagram with others and facilitates a monthly discussion group at her church in Winston-Salem. Welcome Glad you're with us, Nancy. You. And you know, Nancy and I go back years. She and I certified. We were in the same certification process with the narrative tradition. So it's yeah. good to see you again. Yeah, it's, it's great to be here. Yeah, thank you. Uh, Fran Newsom, who uh, leads with Type 2, is a retired elementary school teacher of 32 years. And she's always been interested, as she says, in knowing herself more honestly and spiritually. And the Enneagram has been a great tool for her in terms of self-discovery and her spiritual growth. And Fran and Nancy have been friends for over 42 years. Mm. So they know this, the friendship dynamic, and today we'll hear about the dynamic between the two and the six in their friendship. So to take in the material more fully, we invite ourselves and our listeners to ground, to have access to all three brains, and that requires a grounded presence. So to just take a deep breath and feel our feet on the floor. Allow our hearts to open. And to approach this material with a curious mind. To be curious about ourselves and each other. So let's take a deep breath. The lead center for intelligence for type 6 is the head center. And 6s are, as head types, are information-oriented. The motivation for the six is to anticipate possible harm, to, to where is the possible harm. And so their focus of attention tends to be on worst case scenario. What could go wrong and how might I be prepared for it? Uh, the core fear for the six is being unable to cope with situations, being helpless. Um, and so they become can become reactive if they feel controlled or boxed in uh, because this can feel unsafe. Some of the strengths for type six are a questioning mind, a healthy skepticism. They're, they're really uh, advocates for the underdog, concern for the underdog, and they have amazing analytical skills and great warmth, and um, they are loyal to others, and then they're loyal to relationships. 
Type 2 is in the heart triad, the feeling center. They are relational oriented, so they know first through mood, tone, and feeling. The focus of this type is on others' needs. Uh, they are other referencing. And so the blind spot is their own needs. The motivation for this type is to have you like me. So there can be a seeking of approval. The reactivity trigger and core fear for this type is really to be useless, unable to be helpful. And there is a connection between I am loved for helping. And so if I am rejected or feel useless, then my worth is at stake for this type. Lots of strengths for type two. I call these the people readers of the Enneagram. They're sensitive, they notice things about others. They are kind, approachable, and really have a positive, enthusiastic spirit. Now, interestingly, these two, six and two, are lookalikes on the Enneagram, behaviorally. So both can be friendly, approachable, and somewhat people-pleasing. But the motivation is different. For type two, it's for approval. For type six, it's to be safe because there's a fear of being alone in a dangerous world. And if I'm in a group, or if you like me, I'll feel safer. Both of these types, curiously enough, two being other-referencing, and six actually being other-oriented. So we have two types that are other-referencing, two and nine, and two more types that are other-oriented, which are six and eight. And some of that comes from the mistrust uh, that those two types share. So we want to welcome again uh, Nancy and Fran. Thanks for being here today. And we want to uh, dive into uh, this dynamic of the two and the six. So we want to start with a question, what works well for the two of you? So Nancy, as you lead with six, and Fran, as you lead with two, what has worked well in your friendship and in your relationship over the years coming from those types? Well, as Sandra said, it is interesting how alike twos and sixes are. I mean, there are no lines between them. You know, they're not wings. They're not, uh, you wouldn't think that there would be a close connection. And yet I think that um, there is a lot of similarity in the way that we operate in the world. Um, but there are nuances that are very different. You know, uh, you know the warm and friendly, um, you know, from Fran to others seems to me to have to be warmer and friendlier than my <laughs> warm and friendly. Um, mine is a little more analytical, and um, and you know I'm in my head doing that. Mm -hmm. She's in her heart doing that. So there is a difference. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it but it works really well between the two of us. Talk about how it works well. Well. Um, I think in, in some ways, I mean, I think all nine types are looking for security, just as all nine types mm -hmm. are looking for love. Um, and so uh, the ways in which we operate between each other, I think, gives us both a lot of security and makes us feel loved. Mm -hmm. um, and so we sort of get those needs in ways that other types might not. So the six staying loyal and the mm -hmm. two staying connected, mm -hmm. you might say. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. I know that at any time, I mean, literally, at 3 o'clock in the morning, I could call Nancy and she would be there. 
without hesitation. I know she would. For me, as a two, um, she grounds me because when I'm all emotional and, um, you know, doubting myself, uh, she's very analytical. So, you know, she goes to X, Y, Z, you know, makes me calm down, sort of references me to what's going on. And that, that that's a great strength mm. that uh, she gives me. Yeah, so you have some of that analytical gifts of the six mm-hmm. that right. help kind of mm-hmm. uh, put some perspective on the mm-hmm. emotional right. uh, or big feelings of the two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you mentioned, when you were going over the attributes of the six, I was thinking, well, that's like me mm. because I'm very anxious uh, you know, and doomsday-ish, and could I cope with the worst-case scenario? But at the same time, I realize we're coming from two very different places mm-hmm. with that. So those are good gifts that each of your types contributes to this relationship. Uh, I'm wondering if there are things about your, your type aspects that trip you up in this relationship. One of the things that that I have noticed is um, how obsessive Nancy can be when something is bothering her. She has to go over it and over it and over it. But it's helped me so much learning about sixes to realize where that's coming from. Mm. You know, it. I realize she's got to do that to sort through and come to her her best answer. So I'm much more tolerant of it than I would have been if I didn't know that, mm-hmm. you know. What's the impact of that on you? Mm. How does that affect you? I, I don't. You know, since I understand it, I think it makes me compassionate. I don't. I don't think. I mean, occasionally it will irritate me, but but rarely, rarely, uh, rarely does it irritate me. I feel more compassion, and and really, it's it's my knowledge of the enneagram that has made me react to her in that way. You know, those sixes can, with all of their questions and going over it. Um, when we don't know the system and and we have a six in front of us doing that, it's like, whoa, you know, there's a lot of overthinking, a lot of mental energy going into that. And how do I, what do I do with it? Of course, we just simply offer abiding presence and reassurance for our sixes that we love. Sounds Mm -hmm. like you're doing that. I hope so. Yeah. What about you, for you, Fran, what gets about your type trips you up or has tripped you up in this friendship, this relationship? Probably trying to rescue her and offer advice when she doesn't need advice. That's probably the the biggest thing. Of course, Nancy's probably got my number, literally, <laughs> you know, on that. But um, I'm quick to problem solve, and maybe that's part of uh, my teacher background. But she doesn't need me to pro- problem solve for her. She just needs me to support her and love her. So, but... Uh, we know each other so well, and we know our children and our, you know, we know all the dynamics of our children and their relationships. So I, I think it's easy for me to fall into a, to an advice-giving role if I'm not careful, mm-hmm. you know. And that's some of the, the pattern of the two is this advice-giving. And mm-hmm. sometimes twos can move in. Uh, intrude even and be very intrusive yes right. I, I really fight against that because right. I, I know in my past I have been intrusive mm-hmm. you know into other people's lives so I work real hard on that yeah. to not be that way yeah 
in the heart triad, it's the energy of engaging or over-engaging. And so the trick is, how do I know when I cross that line into over-engaging if I'm a heart type? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about you, Nancy? What are some things that uh, you notice have trip you up or do trip you up uh, as a type six in this relationship? Well, something that I never thought about before, but as, as you all are talking, as Fran's talking too, um, I'm realizing that one of the things I seek from her, you know, always looking outside myself mm-hmm. for the answers, is that she's willing to give me the answers. <laughs> and they're because she knows me so well and knows all of my family and um, the, my concerns and my, and my angst, um, she is able to often be spot on in terms of what the answers might be. So it, it that may mean, I, I'm sure it does mean, that I then don't um, feel my way. No, I was trying to avoid mm. saying think my way <laughs> toward my own answer because it's so easy for me to turn to her and say, you know, Fran, what do you think I should say? What do you think uh-huh. I should do? Mm-hmm. That you've illustrated beautifully that dynamic because your tendency, as you name, is to look outward. Right. And Fran's real easy. She's quick to, oh, I can give you something. I can give right. you, yeah. <laughs> so there's a dynamic that gets created in that. I appreciate your awareness of how that might keep you from coming to your own assurance, your own knowing. Right, right. When probably all I, all I really need, as, as she said so well, is to know that she supports and loves mm. me. Mm. And that's the thing that that's the missing piece for me, because if I can relax into that, then I do find answers or I do come to a different place. Beautiful. How can Fran best support and love you? What does that look like? She's very good about letting me know that she's there at any hour of the day or night to do whatever is needed. And I think we both know we know that about each other, and we don't abuse that, um, but just knowing that it's there um, makes a world of difference. Mm. It, it makes my life feel different than it, than it would otherwise. Mm. It's almost like she has your back. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. You have each other's backs. Oh, that, that absolutely. What The way I have often put it to her is I say, you're my rock. Uh-huh. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, and, she, and I think we both revel in the non-judgment mm-hmm. of whatever, wherever each, each one of us is. Uh, I don't, I mean, there have been times when Nancy certainly had to bite her tongue. <laughs> And some of the decisions I've made in my life or some of the ways I've reacted. But I think we both allow ourselves to or or try very hard to not be judgmental of of how we're coming to our answers, you know, or coming to our place of knowing. Hmm. You know, it's interesting because both these types um, are kind of fix-it types, even sixes, when it's not yours. Like if I have a problem and I come to you, then, you know, you're going to be on it. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, I have to tell my friends who are sixes, 
Now, just listen to me. Don't try and fix it. I just need to talk this out. <laughs> and the same is true for type 2. So you're there, and it, it can be a setup for these two types. You're kind of bait for each other. And how wonderful that you're naming it, Nancy, that you can articulate how, how that is so that you can do your work. Yeah, thank you. One of the things that I was just thinking about is I rarely, uh, I mean, I, I, I'm having trouble even remembering a time when I felt judgmental in the way that Fran described about decisions that she's made. And I think that my openness or my, my lack of judgment is in part healthy and in uh, and, and in other ways, um, it's because I don't want to be judged, mm-hmm. hmm. and so it makes me feel more secure not to be judging. Um, it, it, uh, I'm not articulating that, that was, very that well. Well said. Right. Well said. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, your two friend over here is rejection sensitive. So depending mm-hmm. on your facial expression when she's talking, she can start projecting on you, and it's mm-hmm. about. Does she, is she approving what I'm saying, or am I am I still in good in good standing with Nancy? And so there's a a little uh, kind of game, if you will, going on <laughs> when you're speaking what you need to speak, Fran. And Nancy may keep a an emotionless face or something, and you might project onto that. Right. Yeah. I I think the the years that we've been together makes a huge difference yes. too, because early in our relationship, Nancy was this successful businesswoman, I mean, super successful businesswoman. I felt like she just had it so together. And of course, then I was much more pleasing toward her, nor would I have been nearly as honest with her. Mm. But as we've grown and trust each other, we've both been able to be more our authentic selves, I believe, you know, and that just takes, that takes time and trust and, you know, trusting that loyalty that she's not going to abandon me no matter what I tell her or what I choose, you know. Uh, When I was going through my divorce, she was so wonderful at just listening to me. And I I know, I think she felt like whatever I chose, I was going to learn something, Mm. you know, however I reacted, I was going to learn a lesson in it. But that, that took the maturity of our relationship for that to evolve that way. I think early in any relationship, you're trying sure. to gain people's favor. Sure. Or, or two, well, certainly two, are. Two two are, certainly two are. Two certainly are. Trying, <laughs> not all of us try to gain the other's favor. Yeah. <laughs> That's much healthier. <laughs> but, and, Fran, what I'm hearing you say is that now in this relationship after these many years, you can say, help me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, that is huge. Or tell me. Tell me the way you see it. That's not so yeah. difficult. But help me. But it is, it, I, I think it's difficult if you think what you're going to say is going to hurt or um, give a lot of angst to the other person. Right. You know, if so, you love them, you don't want to say something you know that is Yes. Is, so you're is still other-oriented there, other-referencing. Mm-hmm. So what I'm saying is when you say help me, now you're focused on you. Yes, yes. I have a yes. need, please help me. And yes. those are, those are... Uh, that's scarcity. There, there's rarely a time when a two says, help me. The fact that there's this trust with you and Nancy and you can do that. It's just, I can't say enough how big that is and how healthy that is. 
Fran and I both are lucky enough to have lots of wonderful, loving, supportive people (laughs) in our lives, although certainly our relationship is different from all the rest of those. Um, And uh, it's um, there are times when um, I actually wish that Fran would call on me more for help because that would feel really good for me. But she also has other people in her life, and given whatever it is that she's going through, you know, she's she's turning, as we all do, to the person that best meets that particular need. But I do love it when she says, help me. It, it feels wonderful for me. There, there's a little bit of background to that, though, from where I come from. Because when I was going through my divorce, I'm not sure why Nancy didn't shoot me. (laughs) (laughs) Because I was calling her five and six times a day, literally to the end of my rope. And I felt like I so abused our friendship during that time. I mean, she was gracious and wonderful and all that. But goodness gracious. You know, I've tried to be a little more, uh, first of all, self-reflective, you know, and trying to sort things out, you know, for myself. But there was a time in our relationship when I felt like, you know, I abused her um, good analytical mind. So that may play into it a little bit. I had had not thought of that until just then. As you were talking about it, you seem touched as you tell that story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 And and I don't remember. A I single, can't believe she doesn't remember. <laughs> no, I don't remember. And I, I I remember I remember the phone calls and you know lots of conversation, but I don't remember ever once feeling resentful or. Um, I mean, maybe it's because you've you've done so much for me, in so many ways for such a long time. Um, I it just. It, and there was a part of me that felt like this is payback time. You know, this is my time to give rather than to take. Fran, what's it like Sweet. for you to receive? It's very hard. Yeah, in this situation, mm-hmm. Nancy gave you her mm-hmm. ear, her compassion. Right. She picked up the phone when you called. What was that like to be able to receive that? Yeah, I, I just, I, lo- I mean, I love it, of course, and it's so loving. But my gut reaction to most situations like that um, is, you know, I want to be in control. Mm -hmm. I want to be in charge. I want to be the one giving, Mm -hmm. you know, not I'm much more comfortable at giving than receiving. And and it's a growing edge for me. I'm working on that, Mm -hmm. trying to be more great. Case in point, um, uh I had a couple of sessions of vertigo and Nancy wanted to bring food or do this or do that. And I realized I should say, well, sure. You know, even if, even if I didn't have an immediate need for it, she so wanted to do that for me. Mm-hmm. I should have been more gracious in allowing her to do that. So I realized I can give to people that way too. You know? It's true. It is true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Two things come to mind as you're talking, Fran. One is, uh, David Daniels, our friend and mentor, who co-founded the narrative tradition, says when giving and receiving are from the heart, they're from the, they are the same act. So, oh, that's a wonderful yeah. image. Mm-hmm. And so all transactions fade mm-hmm. because it's done from the heart and compassion and love. The other thought that arose was Chris and I both, in when we were in theology school at Candler, uh, 
at different times, went with Professor Thomas Thangaraj to India. And one of the first things he told our group was, when you Americans come to my country, you're going to have to receive. We do not see it as a transaction in India. And oh my goodness, if we said, boy, this is a great pudding or whatever it was. Well, we got the whole pot. Right. And we had, and we received it. And it was such good practice. So Fran, it is much mm -hmm. easier to give than receive more often. But boy, is it, um, it can be life-changing to allow one's heart to be touched. Right. Yeah. So what are some um, strategies or practices that you each notice that you engage in to help, you know, those ways you might trip up or how do you, what are some things that you pay attention to, to kind of help that grow, the relationship grow or to help you not get tripped up? I, th I think, um, you know, more and more just being aware of um, the good ways to help Nancy, not the dependent ways or not the manipulative ways. You know, just just what I'm working on in all other relationships, really, just trying to come from a much more honest, open-hearted place. Um, I, I don't really know. Say more about the good ways to help. What does that look well, like? Well, you know, for, for two, we often give with strings attached, and, and I, I don't want to do that. Uh, or we're ingratiating, or we're very manipulative. You know, I hate that. You know, when we get the negative enneagrams, <laughs> the thoughts for the day, I just think, <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't want to think of myself that way. Um, so I try to really be, be. I'm, I try to be more open and honest in my giving to Nancy and in my attention to her. I mean, part of it's just friendship. I'm going to check in. Da 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 da. da. But I think right now, the biggest gift, she and I both have a lot of anxiety about growing older <laughs> and losing our faculties. And we laugh about it a lot. And I think that helps so much take away our fear. And and we're there for each other, you know. And we understand, too. We At this time in our life, we understand that friends are dying. Our health is waning. Well, not too much, we hope, but somewhat. So um, I, I, th I think that give and take there uh, really helps us. You know, yeah. I've heard someone call that, Fran, clean giving. Mm -hmm. Right. This, That's the way I want to do. I it, want to be a clean giver. It's that giving without strings, mm -hmm. without attachment, without needing something back, but just clean giving. Right. Hmm. How about you, Nancy? Well, I, I think that it... It's not possible to overestimate the um, the the uh, loving support that a sense of humor brings, and for us to be able to make fun of our own um, anxieties and concerns and and um, laugh about them um, makes makes all the difference. It lightens lightens them up, and we sixes we need to be lightened up. We are. <laughs> We are kind of heavy. I mean, we're, a you know, sometimes I wonder, why on earth does anybody want to spend time with me? God, I'm such a downer. Um, people who 
I respect and love assure me that that's not the right. truth, right. but that's certainly the way it feels inside me. Well, it's, it's my six friends who really help me laugh often. Yeah, I hear in that too, that self-doubt. It's like, why would people want to be around uh, me? That right. sort of pattern of the six. Absolutely. So what? how do you bring that laughter and playfulness? What helps you do that, Nancy? Um, being with people that I know love, who love me and who are willing to be silly, you know, cause I'm not, I'm not a silly person. I'm a serious person and, <laughs> and, um, it's just such a gift and, and Fran has that light touch and is able to, to bring that to me often. But we, we cry together too, mm-hmm. you know, that's important. That's, that's a great way of supporting each other. I can't tell you the number of times we'll be on the phone and, and, and one or uh, or both of us will say, you know, I feel like I really need to cry, but I can't cry by myself. But sometimes when we're, when we're talking to each other, even if it's phone, not in person, you know, we can feel those strong feelings and, and, um, you know, let out some of that grief and, and anxiety. Our, our children should be paying each of us, <laughs> because we saved them an earful. <laughs> it's a beautiful friendship. And I treasure it. Yes, and she is my rock. What are some ways that you can uh, help your relationship flourish even more as you think about your type? Um, what it, what it might be your invitation to grow? Well, when Fran and I were talking about what, your request for us to, to do this, um, and of course we were both feeling kind of anxious about it, and uh, I would always prefer not to do things like this. Uh, but I said to her um, that I often find it helpful when I'm forced to be reflective Hmm. um, with other people and the things that I hear coming out of my mouth um, give me new insight. And, um, you know, I think that's um, the thing that we're both committed to is providing as much insight to the other as possible. And I think that's how we will, because I think we're committed to that. I think that's how we will continue to grow, grow the the love and the friendship. Mm-hmm. Because sixes don't trust easily, and Fran's already acknowledged this kind of hidden agenda sometimes. At what point and how did you come to trust this beloved friend, given those pieces of the types? Do you remember a point when you said, ah, I can trust her? What allows that to happen in you? Well, I think that, I, I mean, I, I understand and and agree with the fact that sixes um, often have difficulty trusting, but I find that my particular brand of that, and you, and you have to remember too that in my twenties, thirties, and forties, I was a, the um, poster child for um, counterphobic. <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, 
Okay. Uh, and I, then it's been helpful to me to actually come to a much greater knowledge of the phobic part of my sickness. But I never didn't trust Fran. I didn't trust me. That was the biggest not trusting and, and remains my challenge, although I certainly have um, uh, been conscious of making changes, specific changes um, that have allowed me to trust me. You know, I can now say with confidence I would never do this or I would always do this and know that it's true. Mm. And there were times in my life when that was not the case. Mm -hmm. I didn't trust the decisions that I made, and I made some really poor ones. And you really, you you make the point, it's not that we can't trust others, we have to trust ourselves. Mm -hmm. And that's really the growing point yeah. for type 6. Right. Thanks for that articulation. Right. Yeah. And what I've noticed in the aging process, because I know several counterphobic 6s in my life, and now they're all over, six, over 60 years old, and that the counterphobic is suddenly softening. And maybe it's the aging process because there's more to fear mm -hmm. uh, as we become more limited. Uh, but I am seeing that happen. It's curious that you said that, Nancy. Right. And yeah. in fact, it almost bothers me that I've lost so much huh. of my counterphobic <laughs> self mm. because I feel like I'm not as adventurous mm. and not as likely to say, let's, let's jump on a plane and go somewhere tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. That may be wisdom as well. <laughs> At core, as you trust yourself more, then you, you will have the freedom to say, let's go get on a plane now. It won't come out of a, out of a counterphobic place, right. but out of a trusting right. place. Right. Oh, I know this is what I want. This is what we're going to Let's go do it. Right. Yeah. Good That's point. That's beautiful, Chris. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What about you, Fran? Um, what is, might be your invitation to grow in this relationship, ways that you can help the relationship flourish, particularly as a two? Well, I think, um, like Nancy said, I have, you know, I have a lot of close friends and all that, but nobody holds the place that, that Nancy does for me. And I think she and I both have acknowledged that when we get busy with life, well, we know that if something's going wrong, we will contact each other. So if something's not going wrong, uh, I have a real tendency to let it be slack and not check in with her as often as as I would like to. Uh, and I want to be more intentional about, you know, uh, about checking in, not just when I'm panicked or troubled, um, but we go on trips or we do this and we go for a week and a half and haven't spoken, and we really miss that. So I want to be more intentional uh, in checking in with her and... Um, we need more breakfast at the K&W. We do. Where we, <laughs> we watch do. the groups of people around us having having so much fun together, and um, it really lightens our spirits. <laughs> Just dying laughing. And, yeah. and we, I, I think when we were younger, we vacationed a lot together and that mm -hmm. sort of thing, and we don't do it now that our children are grown. Um, so we miss opportunities, and we've got to be more, and I would like to be more intentional. Mm. Ditto. People have mistaken us for sisters a mm -hmm. lot, but 
But see, I love her, I think, much more than I would a sister because you don't have all that baggage, right. you know, with parents and and all that. And we can be, I mean, it would be wonderful for sisters to have this kind of relationship, but I don't think many of them do, unfortunately. But mm. Nancy's my family, though, at the same time. I think of her and her girls as, as our family. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Is there anything else that you all would like to add to say to that what hasn't been said about the six and the two or your relationship or anything that comes up I, I came into studying the Enneagram I think as a, an aid to understand myself better mm -hmm. I had no idea of the spiritual growth dimension and to me it is one of the most powerful tools for people to grow in the likeness of God mm. and I wish more people knew that and I, I know people don't necessarily have to connect with that component of it but it so clearly shows when you are not acting in loving ways and when you are acting in loving ways and that has just been such a tremendous um, leap for me mm. um, and I mean I've, I've been a church as one of my counselors used to say, okay, church woman, I've been a church woman my whole life. Uh, but but nothing, you know, no spiritual growth weekend, no program, you know, that I've gone through, nothing like that has uh, affected me as deeply and is such an aha, you know, as, as the Enneagram helping us to grow into our essence. Mm -hmm. It's just been a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. Thank you. It gets to the core of us. It isn't about behavior. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I've certainly so been touched by what you've said about not only the Enneagram, but each other. Mm -hmm. um, thank you. Anything, Nancy? No, it's just um, wonderful to sit here and be reflective on um, one of the most important parts of my life. Yeah. <laughs> and to b sort of bask in the the glow of love that comes with that. Yeah. You know, I'm remembering, Chris, one of the reasons we wanted to do this was to really break through some stereotypes mm -hmm. of, of what type is and what the Enneagram is. And I know one of the uh, mythologies in our culture anyway is that women fight and are competitive with each other. And I've always hated that because it hasn't been my life experience. And to sit in the tenderness of your friendship is such an honor. Uh, thank you. It's, a, it's mm. just an honor. Thank you both. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Thank you. I want to close with a... Uh, I'm gonna. It's a quote from a Chinese philosopher. Uh, his name is Mencius, uh, and I'm actually going to change it just slightly based on something you said, Fran. So here it is: Friends are the family that God never gave us. With heartfelt gratitude, I'm Sandra, and I'm Chris, and we invite you to continue to take a courageous and a loving look at what is. We want to thank all who've made this podcast a reality, including Wake Forest University School of Divinity, for their financial and institutional support. For Sally Ann Morris, who composed our theme music, and for Toby Becker, who provided graphic design. Thanks to Eric Merle for his editing expertise. 
to Tom and Lynn Berger, who provided recording space, and to the narrative Enneagram and our mentors, Helen Palmer and Dr. David Daniels, its founders, and special thanks to all of our guests. We offer this podcast as a free resource for personal and spiritual growth. And in order to continue this work, we need your support. Please visit our website, heartoftheenneagram.com, to make a contribution and to purchase our companion book. In the days that lie ahead, may your mind be curious, your heart courageous, and your presence compassionate.